0: to the July 19th edition of the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shorten. you probably figured this out by now, but I definitely had a bit of a hiatus. I was uh, – oh, sorry, by the way, uh, if you didn't know, but I was intending on doing one a fortnight during the off-season. That probably will be the plan moving forward. But then I absolutely got annihilated with some sort of flu virus. Not what you're thinking um, – At least I don't think it was. I made sure I isolated anyway and uh, did get a test done. It was negative, so all good. Um, But, yeah, I completely lost my voice, was not in a good way. So, yep, I'm back now. I'm fighting fits and, yeah, back onto the podcast. So, special thank you to a couple of the the Twitter followers who um, sent their best wishes. So, thank you very much for that. I... Also had a few other ones um, who asked me about a postseason winner and winners and losers podcast to talk through who stock has risen, who stock has dropped through the postseason. I will probably do this in part A and part B with part A being the the winners. Next week I'll do a, a losers podcast. So yeah, may as well get stuck into it. So on the winner side. Probably comes as no surprise. I talk about this guy all the time, but Trey Young. Trey Young is an absolute winner from the postseason. He took his game to another level, which I think a lot of us were hoping that he would, given that he had a pretty average regular season. He turned the ball over quite a bit, which wasn't too much of a change from the regular season, but the really. The good thing that we were able to see was his points increase. His points increased from 25.5 to nearly 29 per game. He went from 0.8 steals to 1.3 steals, and he went from 2.2 triples to 2.8 triples. Now, the shooting percentages are always going to be pretty bad. He's always going to be in the four-ish range for turnovers, but... Right now, he's sitting at 23rd overall on Basketball Monster. I personally think that's an extremely low number, given his ability to change the game and his ability to pile on some really, really big game-winning numbers. 25 points and and 9.5 assists per game of the regular season was really good. The 28 and and 9.5 is even better. Couple that with nearly 1.5 steals. Couple that with nearly 3 triples. That is extremely good value if you can get him at the, what, second, third turn. Atlanta also have John Collins. He's out of contract. I don't know if he stays. I think that he will probably go, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think he's going to end up somewhere like Dallas. And even if they were able to keep him with the money that he's after, someone else is going to have to depart, whether that be Gallinari, whether that be Bogdanovich, who knows. But... What that does mean is it's going to be more looks for Trey because they're not going to get rid of a Cam Reddish or they're not going to get rid of a um, a Hunter. Both of those are defensive first players. We saw that Hunter can do some pretty good work on the offensive side as well, but they're not going to be purely offensive guys like John Collins is. Trey, he's only in his third year, already an elite player with some other offensive weapons moving on. Who knows? Maybe Lou Will does that as well. Then it's only going to be better for Trae Young's value. (sighs) I mean, if if I'm looking at his stats, I don't know if he's ever going to get his field goal up to um, a level where we're going to be happy with it. It's certainly not going to get to a level where it's tanking. He does put it up in big volume and he does have games where he absolutely hurts, but it's not going to be at a... Devontae Graham sort of level where he's just tanking you week in week out, but I think his shot selection will increase. I think his turnovers will drop. I uh, I think it'll. I don't think he's going to be fantastic. I don't think he's going to be a three to one sort of assist turnover guy. But if he can get it down to three and a half, then I think that that would be pretty pretty strong for his value moving forward. So overall, Trey's value in the offseason – Went up. I think that at 23, I'd be in a C's ADP moving closer to the season if it's a, in the 20s or even in the late teens. I think that's an absolute bargain given that he went in the early teens, sometimes even in the first round this current season. Paul George. Now, Paul George is one who I didn't think I'd be putting on the winners column. I thought I'd definitely be putting him on the loser column. But there's a couple of things that we... We need to take into consideration. Regular season, Paul George, 23.5-ish, 23.3 points per game. 3.2 triples, okay percentages. Pretty decent at 47 and 87. Playoff P, nearly 27 points per game, so going up 3.5. Rebounds went up two per game. His triples dropped, which I'd be okay with. And his percentages stayed roughly the same, went down a little bit, which you're going to get with more volume. The big thing here, Kawhi Leonard is going to miss a lot of next season, potentially even all of next season with his ACL injury. He is still expected to sign a mass extension. I think that they're still going to be at the Clippers, which leaves them pretty much in the same position they are in now. So they've got two players tying up all of their money. I think I could be wrong here, but I think Paul George is a back-ended deal as well, so he's going to get more money the longer his contract goes. They don't really have any offensive players outside George and Kawhi. Reggie Jackson could be in for a bit of a payday. I don't know the situation with Serge. Probably should have looked that up before I jumped on, but Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, those two are the main two guys. And yeah, 27 and... Nine is good, 23 and six and a half, 5.2 assists in the regular season. Paul George doesn't really jump off the page. They're certainly not amazing. They're good. They're certainly not amazing. But what people may or may not be forgetting, depending on how long you've done fantasy, is that the last time Paul George was the main offensive player on a team was back in OKC, which might have been the 2017-18 season, and he was averaging 28, 8, and I think 4.5 with nearly well, just over 2.2 steals per game. And that was league-leading 2-point steals per game. So, are we going to get that those sort of numbers? I don't think so. Obviously, we're a few years on from that. We're a couple of injuries on from that as well. And I personally don't trust his health. I don't draft Paul George because of that. But, I mean, he's currently ranked 18th on Basketball Monster for his year just gone. That would be a massive, massive steal if he stays healthy. And I would say that his points and his steals are definitely going to increase because he's a he's a player who dominates with confidence. Whenever he's up, he is up and about, and he plays really, really good basketball. Whenever he's down, he's down. So if he has a bad game, it's bad across the board. He he doesn't flick the switch and go into assist mode or he doesn't go into defense mode or anything like that. If he's down, he's down. But Paul George, 18th currently on Basketball Monster. That's for nine categories. If you can get him there and you've got somebody relatively healthy in the first round, if you can... Yeah, I would be absolutely... If you can get like a Lillard in the first round, he's probably the only first rounder these days that is actually somewhat healthy and I've probably just gone ahead and jinxed that or Jokic, although Jokic is going to go at one. Then Paul George would be a fantastic second round guy. He's going to have a He's due for a big season, and if he stays healthy, he will get there. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is not somebody who I – in fact, I'm never going to draft. Dylan Brooks, I – purely out of spite, really. I'll tell you why in a second. I mean, his regular season numbers pretty good. In fact, probably a career year for him, 17, 3, and 2.5 and with 1.2 steals, 1.9 triples, 42, and 82. 42 is horrible. His postseason numbers. Granted, very small sample size, 26 points, 4.2 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.4 steals, 1.6 triples, and a ridiculous 52% from the field, 81% from the line. Now, I have never, as I said, and I will continue to repeat, I'm never going to be a Dylan Brooks guy. The spite part comes from the fact that I truly believe that Memphis have got it all wrong when it comes to the wings that they're playing. I think that they've got offense. They've got JJJ. They've got Valentinus, They've got Jar Morant. They don't need Dylan Brooks. And yes, there was a lot of people saying in the postseason that Dylan Brooks is a great defender, all this sort of stuff. But I would absolutely be paying Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones. I would absolutely be playing my man, DeAnthony Melton, ahead of him. But, hey, what do I know? So, they, they're they going to share that load a bit moving forward. Dylan Brooks is still going to get the minutes if he's there, but I don't. I think that he's going to regress to the men somewhat and be down at the 15 points, be down at the horrible shooting because JJJ is going to be back into the side and getting bigger numbers. Dylan Brooks was riding on a heater with his 52% from the field. I just I can see a lot of people overdrafting him when they get to the mid to late rounds because they're going to see 17, 18 points because they always inflate it. ESPN and Yahoo always inflate the numbers going into the season. Two triples, nearly one and a half steals. And I am advising you right now, unless you're a Memphis supporter, do not buy into that. The Brooks ceiling is pretty much where he was this year. It's certainly not getting any better, certainly not getting better with a healthy jar, healthy J.J.J., which could last a week, and Valanciunas, they are usage guys, they are offensive guys, and they are going to be putting up the numbers that Dylan Brooks is going to be demanding. Come draft day, inside the hot top 100 mark, I think he'll be there at 90 to 100, and I think he'll be coming off the board at the 90 to 100, maybe a little later at that point. I would personally be taking a gamble on somebody else. I would be going for a a rookie. I'd be going for somebody, I can't even think of anybody right now, that is somebody like a Pokachevsky. i love, I'd be taking him. I'd pretty much be taking any OKC bigs because they don't have that many right now and they are really going down the long athletic line as much as they got rid of Moses Brown, but Pokachevsky someone I would grab late in the draft. Um, Darius Baisley, someone I will grab late in the draft. Lou Dort, if he's there, grab him. I don't think that Dylan Brooks is somebody that anybody should roster because he'll be somebody who you'd be able to get off the, the waivers after a couple of days whenever he's horrible like he is. Donovan Mitchell, Donnie Mitch, he is just made for the postseason. Like I... I had him on here. I have – I mean, I've got another guy coming up as well who's definitely made for the postseason. I did have Dame Lillard. I took him out because I can't be talking about too many top-end guys. But Donovan Mitchell, regular season numbers, 26.4, 4.4 rebounds, 5.2 assists, not bad for him. But he did couple that with nearly three turnovers. Can't really be doing that. One – 0.0 in terms of steals, 3.4 triples, 44 and 85 in his postseason where Donovan Mitchell comes to play. And I still remember, and I will never forget the bubble games last year, him versus Jamal Murray. It was just incredible to watch. But postseason, Donovan Mitchell this year, 32 and a half points. What's that? Seven, six up from his regular season. Same in terms of boards and assists, 4.2, 5.5, 1.1. Steals, five triples at 45% and 83%. Now, I'm not going to go as far as say Donovan Mitchell is no good because he's absolutely a stud. I just think that he is a better real-life player than he is for fantasy. I have never thought that he was an overly friendly fantasy player. He will be if he gets his assist numbers to six or seven, that would be incredible. His high 20 points are great, but outside of that, his stats are fairly not weak, but they aren't weak winning. His assist numbers, as I said, five is fine. The triples are great, but as I spoke about with Dylan Brooks, you can get points down the draft order. The amount of times I've run parallels with mainly Norman Powell, but right now, if you're going into the draft room, you're going to get Donovan Mitchell, what, third round, fourth if you're lucky, late second if you're hungry. But if you wait 40 more picks or something like that, you're going to get somebody like Andrew Wiggins or Tobias Harris. They're obviously not the same sort of player. And please don't assume that I'm saying that they are as good as Donovan Mitchell, even in a fantasy setting. But what I'm meaning by that is that they've got good complementary stats with a points-heavy um, Skill set. And I just think for the top of your draft, you need to get players who are going to win you weeks. And it's a mistake I made this year with the player I've got coming up. But I, yeah, I, I think that until Donovan Mitchell becomes the primary ball carrier, which he definitely could, Mike Conley is a free agent. He has spoken about coming back, but money talks. And he is still playing. He played a. He had a really good year this year, Mike Conley, and there is definitely teams that are going to be wanting a guard, somebody like the Clippers. And if he goes elsewhere, Mitchell becomes a primary ball carrier, not too concerned about the you know, Jordan Clarksons of the world or the Joe Ingalls or anything like that. And that's where we could see him take off permanently. And that's where we could see a almost a Devin Booker from a couple of years back before Chris Paul got there. And in one of the worst transitions ever, Devin Booker is next on my list. So, I, he's 25.6, 4.2, 4.3 with 48 and 87 shooting, two triples, postseason 27.5, so a couple of points up, 5.8 boards, you know, one and a half up, the same whenever it comes to pretty much everything else. Where his postseason value is going to come from, is his play currently. Right now versus the Bucks? we're what? Five games in and he's averaging 34 and four. And the whole world is watching that series. It's not as though small market team or anything like that. It is the whole NBA world is watching him, which means that the whole NBA world is going to overdraft him come fantasy seasons next year. He is in a very, very similar situation to what I was mentioning about Devin Booker and – sorry, about Donovan Mitchell. And outside of points, they have good complementary stats. They're not going to hurt you anywhere except for maybe turnovers, but they don't let their incredible play inside the playoffs take you away from the fact that at the 20 mark – or at the twenty-five or at the thirty mark, be prepared that people are going to take them, even if you're guard short. I would be inclined to potentially let them go in place of somebody like a, oh, Rudy Gobert. Now, Rudy Gobert is only going to give you fifteen points a game, but he's going to give you twelve boards. He's also going to give you nearly three blocks. Now, yes, that's technically. Only one, maybe two categories that they're going to be looking like they're going to win you. But those are categories that are a lot more scarce. Points are a dime a dozen. They're going to get, you're going to get them off the waivers. Don't make the mistake that I did this year and think, oh God, I need a guard. I need to get some assists and then take an assist guy for 5.8. It's just, it's not, well, 5.8 is okay for four. That's where you're going to make your errors. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but given that right now on ESPN, Devin Booker is listed at 20th overall going into next season. You've got somebody who's listed at 51 who averages who averaged this year 24, 5, and 6 called SGA, Shea Gildris alexander You can get him 30 picks later and I would argue is better. From a fantasy skill point, not a better player, maybe a better player, but from a fantasy skill point, I would be taking SGA at 50. I'd be taking SGA at 40 over taking Devin Booker inside the top 20. Now, on to Devin Booker's teammate, DeAndre Ayton. Again, somebody who, if you look at the postseason numbers compared to the regular season numbers, don't scream out too much a difference of. So his postseason numbers, 16, 12, and yeah, two stocks. 0.8 steals, point, uh, 1.0 blocks, 68 and 73, huge. But against the Bucks, he's at 15 and 13 with one and a half blocks against the Clippers, uh, the series before, 1.7 blocks with 18 and 14. So the recency bias here, again, is huge. Having finished the season outside at the top 30 in per game value as per basketball monster. I mean, he was disappointing for 80% of the year. He was probably outside the top, I wouldn't say outside the top 100, but he'd be outside the top 70 for most of the year. He was putting up 13 and 12 and that's fine, except you can get that with a lot of waivers players, a lot of players who like a Jakob Pertl was on the waivers for a lot of the season. You could definitely have got him for, um, for the same, well, you could have got him off the waivers or you could have traded him for Aiton and someone, so don't let the recency bias here affect you too much. What you should know about Aiton is this is probably where he will be at next year. Don't overdraft him. You're looking at second, third round because he is a good, good center. He will be a 16, 17, and 10 guy with a block and a half, great percentages for a big guy. So, I would be taking him there. I would be letting the recency bias remind you about how good he is, but not overdrafting him because of that, if that makes sense. That hasn't confused you further. Um, and then, finally... I got another big man to round it out and this is somebody I wanted to end on because I absolutely loved him and I'm going to overdraft him everywhere. And If you're in any leagues with me, be prepared not to get him because I don't really care. I'll draft him as high as I need to. Daniel Gafford. So, If you look at his numbers, in fact, don't look at his numbers because I'm going to tell you his numbers. If you look at his numbers, regular season per 36 while he was at the Bulls, so this is before the trade, 13.8, so per 36. So, It shows you how big the difference is here 13.8, 9.7 with a steal of 3.2 blocks at 69 and 66% shooting. Again, 30 per 36. Per 36 at Washington, including the postseason, we're talking about 18 points, nine rebounds, 1.5 steals, 3.1 blocks, 85% from. The field and sixty three percent from the line. Yes, per thirty six inflates numbers, and they only get you so far because they're not a true representation. He's not going to be. He's not a nearly twenty ten guy with a three block per game at eighty five percent shooting. That's not who Tom. That's not who Daniel Gafford is. And yes, Thomas Bryan is coming back. And yes, Daniel Gafford has always struggled to stay healthy, but he looked incredible for Washington whenever he was being played. It was almost as though I think it's Scott Brooks was torn between I want to play Gafford and yeah I do want to win games to keep Bradley Beale and to keep Westbrook happy but at the same stage I don't want to win games because I still need picks. And it was it was evident that whenever Gafford played they were winning games. And whenever he didn't play a lot of minutes or whenever he didn't start, they weren't as good. So, I do think that he's going to get a really nice share of the workload next year. I don't care if Alex Lenz is there. I don't care if uh, Robin Lopez is there. I will be grabbing, and even Thomas Bryant, I will be grabbing Gafford before any other big man in Washington because his ceiling is probably a 16 and 8 with 2 blocks a game because and maybe even a 3 because he is, well, maybe not a three, but definitely a steal. He is just such a nice rounded big man that if he stays healthy and even if he only plays 25 minutes a night, you're going to get really good value out of him. And whenever he played 20 minutes, he turned it on. Whenever he played under 20 minutes, he didn't because he just didn't get a time to really get into the game and to get a feel for it. So, Watch this space whenever it comes to him. I'd be really, really, really interested to see what his ADP is going into next season. Where is he currently? If we were to have a bit of a look again, probably something I should have prepared earlier. But if we are looking at the ESPN numbers on the the way too early on the ESPN site is what you want to have a bit of a look at for looking at him. On that, he is. My on computer, one thirty two, which is ridiculous. I mean, there's some fantastic value there. One thirty two looks awesome. You got Kevin Herter a couple of picks later. Dante DiVincenzo, Keldon Johnson, Isaiah Stewart. Whoa. Um, one thirty two for Daniel Gafford is ridiculous. You got players above him like Marvin Bagley. You got players above him like. Mitchell Robinson, I love Mitchell Robinson, but I don't trust him and I think Gafford's ceiling is higher. You've got Kelly Olenek, recency bias there. Mason Plumley, I think that his minutes are going to get knocked down. Wendell Carter Jr., don't trust him. Moses Brown, just been traded, don't worry about that. Gallinari, don't trust him. TJ Warren, don't trust him. Bobby Portis, don't trust him. Laura Markinen don't trust him. Like At 132, that is an absolute crime, I'd be looking at Daniel Gafford in the 70s because that's when you're going to get... He's going to be in the region of, yeah, Chris Boucher. He's going to be in your region of James Wiseman, um OG Anunovis, Rui Hachimura. Those, that's the area that he should be in. So at 70, 75, 80, that's where I'll be looking at Daniel Gafford because his ceiling is just so good. So pretty much rounds us out for the winners as I said next week I'm going to put up the losers column there is probably no surprises who the number one is on the losers column it's going to be somebody by the name of Ben Simmons but there's also going to be a couple others in there as well which may or may not be a surprise so thank you again for listening if you haven't already don't forget to rate and subscribe and again sorry for the delay